Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello everybody and welcome to Celtic Now and for our podcast. My name is Ryan Clifford and once again we're joined by William Glavin. Once again as a former agent, just so people who haven't listened to the podcast before. Um, he's currently doing a bit of scouting as well. Um, he's joining us today as well. William, how's things mate? Not bad Ryan, how, how are you doing yourself? Not bad mate, the sun's out again so we're all happy clappers today again. Yeah, um, quite, quite right mate, quite right. <laughs> um, how's... How's how's your scouting game going so far, mate? Last in the last few days, any updates? Ah, yeah, well, not. Ah, no, no, there's not really been much updates so far. I was going to say I'm feeling good, but I would have been better if Denmark won the other night. Eh? <laughs> I know. That <laughs> England game, and especially especially the way they won it as well. You're just like, geez, oh. So, um, listen, we we all just need to um, get our beer Moretti's and our Peroni's bought on Sunday, and uh, get plenty of pizza and butter at that point, and hopefully, you can see the Italians win, eh? I would be, be a bit of a sucker punch for Rain Monarch, because let's be honest. It's... <laughs> I know, it's, 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 on a, it's on a plate for the minute, excuse the pun, but um, they've had that many games at home. Do you know what I mean? I, I think Kalini said that today, didn't they? They should be in the final, because they've had six or seven games at home. So, um, oh, listen, you never know. It's 90 minutes of football, isn't it? or it could imagine 20 minutes, but anyway, it's a game of football, we'll see what happens. Because that was actually through what he says about Kalini, but I actually watched it with Simon Jordan. It was, oh, that, uh, right. I seen... Um, and even he was saying, he says, let's be honest, guys, he was on, he talks about what he was on. He says, let's be honest, he says, see, if we had Italy's route, would we be in the final? And he's like, I don't know. He says, really? he says Austria are a tough nut to crack. Uh-huh. Um, he says, and the thing is, he <laughs> was like, at Spain are still regarded as one of the best football nations about. Mm-hmm. And he says, and obviously Belgium, I don't think they're the best team, but they're ranked the best team. So he says, could we cope with that? He says, let's be honest, he says, with a group that we even had, he says, Scotland, I would have a draw, he says, but um, the rest, we should be beaten. And then he says, um, obviously Ukraine uh-huh. and the other teams he beat, he says, we've had six games, five games at home, we really uh-huh. should be getting to a final. He says, uh-huh. so, right. he's kind of like, I don't know why there's all this uproar, it's a dream and it's us, he says, Realistically, he says, if we didn't get to the final, Aye. then it'd be a bit of failure because we've had the easy way out. And he got a bit of backlash for it, but I like Simon Jordan. I hope you don't like really? him. Um, yeah. But I, I do like him. I don't really like to talk sport a lot, but the wee snips, I see him. And I think he's, he was honest. I think he was, he, he, was, he spoke with Eddie Howe as well, actually, a few days ago. Um, right. And he was like, Eddie Howe, he bottled it. Um, and he says, look where he, look where he is now. Can't, he can't get a job. He says, and he says, I know people 
on this show kind of belittle Scottish football. He says, but Rangers and Celtic, he says, they're two massive clubs. They're massive, massive jobs. He says, he's went for Bournemouth to Celtic. He says, and he's knocked it back. He says, I don't understand that. But mm-hmm. I do like Sam Jordan, but talking about England, he was, he was basically saying he's need to settle down. He says, this is a, a tough Italy team. He says, it's going to be hard to win. And for me, I think Italy's a brilliant team. How, mm-hmm. how like your Ferdinand, your Neville's and whatever else can talk down to them. I don't understand it. They were unbeaten in how many games? It's phenomenal. I know. It's, um, do you know what? I, I've got no, no qualms with the England team, the England players. I like a lot of the players, to be honest. Um, a lot of world-class players there. It's the whole coverage yet that just gets to me. See, like, the, the coverage on the TV and the radio. and the, you know, As you said, Real Ferdinand basically said the other night, I don't care who we're playing, we'll beat them. You know, and, and, and all right, there's, there's, there's confidence, but there's a fine line between confidence and arrogance. <laughs> and I think there is a bit of arrogance there. And, and and I think the English don't realise that that's why people want to see them beat, because there is that arrogance with it. Um, as I said, I've not got any issues with the players and the manager and that at all. I just think the coverage just goes way over the top. I didn't hear, I've heard Simon Jordan a couple of times on uh, Talk Sport, isn't it? He's on. Yeah. And um, I've only heard him a couple of times on it, and I know he's quite regular on it nowadays, but um, he generally speaks his mind. And see someone that speaks their mind and just being completely honest with their opinion, you can't ask for any more than that, whether you, whether you agree with that opinion or not. So it's quite, um, it's quite good to actually hear him say something. And somebody's actually came out and said that because that's exactly how the whole of Scotland are feeling at the minute, I think. Because um, as you mentioned about people who say their opinions, no matter if they're talking rubbish or they're talking the truth, it's good uh, for people to listen. And so, hi, that's true. But the thing I don't get with radio stations, I know it happens, you'll probably think it as well. It doesn't just happen up here, it happens down south. People will say things just to get a reaction and get uh, viewers and... For me, I don't like that. I know that's it's a, it's a game and they want people to phone in and blah, blah, blah. But Aye. some of the people that phone in and don't just up here, but down south, and I'm like, wait, why are you phoning in and balance with some of the comments? And But they are gaining the fire by reacting to them. I'm like, just tell them the truth and say, mate, you're, you're talking away out your death here and cut them off. But they continue to keep them on. And I think that's why people, especially maybe up here on the scoreboard, they tend to switch off. Because they're letting people own who don't really know much about football. They're just... I was like, I had a He was talking about... I can't remember the guy's name. I can't, I, I'm sure he was a Rangers fan. But he was, he was talking about Celtic's targets. He says, oh, I'll talk to the light. He's a Celtic fan. Sorry, William. Um, and he was sorry, just, about, I was just my daughter. Chapped the door to oh, Sorry. sorry. <laughs> um, he was a Celtic fan. Actually, I can't remember the guy's name. But I was sitting my old man listening. And I don't really listen to it anymore because I'm... I'm Last year, I just thought it was just against Celtic, no matter what, right? And um, he was blaming off all these players, or he'd be good, he'd be good. My dad's like, I said, guys, that are rumoured. You don't know nothing about these players. <laughs> <laughs> he's, just took, he's just took them off the press of the radio and go, aye, he'd be good, and he'd be good, and he'd be good. Oh, I'm like, yeah. because there's seven guys rumoured, does mean the seven guys are going to come. I'll, I'll be honest, I don't listen to Super Scoreboard. Very, very rarely to listen to it, but because I just get frustrated with some of the people that put it's, it's like I don't know what you call it in the radio or the or the sort of media, the TV world, but it's like clickbait, and it? it's like you get clickbait for like on websites and stuff, but it's just a form of that, and it just to get people to rise to it. And I think talk sport do it pretty badly, well, not bad, they probably do it pretty well because people do react to it, but they, they do it a lot as well, don't they? So, listen, I suppose that's just one way of generating a debate, isn't it? <laughs> I think that's especially obviously the rule because the football's only just starting and obviously lockdown. They've had to do clickbaits, they've had to mm-hmm. have to do something. And obviously because Celtic might be last season, we're not doing very well. 
that, that, that they've also had to say something about Celtic to get Celtic fans to phone in because let's yeah. be honest, they want two fans to phone in. Obviously, they want everybody to phone in, but predominantly in Glasgow and Scotland, that is the two sides that are going to kind of argue their points and stuff. Um, but again, radio stations, I'm not really a big fan of my prefer obviously podcasts and stuff. I'm mad into that, but yeah. um, as as I spoke before, we came on, that's pre season underway. Um, a good exercise against Sheffield Wednesday. I know it looked a bit weird, just like that training match, but Again, I, I was not really surprised with obviously the lineup, getting the guys who have been training the first few weeks of chance. And I thought a few guys, obviously, I know it's a pre season game, but they started off, then they start really well. We looked a bit out of the place, but as the game grew, you could see some of the quality overtaking. And mm-hmm. what I liked was after the first half an hour, and then they came out, I think it's like a five minute break or something, they came out the second half with a, a spark and a big, massive. Like, it was an injector pace and I was like, that's obviously a manager's when they went, listen, that was no good enough. You need to up it. And I think, I can't even talk about after the game, if it was a wee youngster, uh, Moffat, somebody says, I, he, he told us at half time that it wasn't good enough. And yeah. you could, I, I, can, I, I can afford myself, I could tell because they came out with a, a bit more cut on edge and they were spraying the ball but I thought, if you can do that within Hawthorne in a pre-season game, for me, that's a good incentive for the rest of the season that you can actually change a game. Yeah, I think um, when Sheffield Wednesday got that early goal, you sort of saw, and obviously we need to remember a lot of young boys or the youngsters from the academy were, were obviously playing there uh, the other day. And Sheffield Wednesday had quite a strong team from looking at their, their sort of starting lineup. But from when Sheffield Wednesday scored, you sort of saw the boys or, or the players sort of strike themselves a wee bit and they're like, oh, here we go. Mm-hmm. So obviously, at the break, like you said, I think Andrew obviously told them one or two things. And honestly, they came out the traps flying in that second part, or the, the second, third, or whatever they were calling it the other day. I was trying to keep up with that. <laughs> but um, they, they came out, and you could actually see what Andrew was trying to implement. You know, see that, that high press to create a transition. They'd done that with a few of the goals the other day, which was absolutely brilliant. And you can see the young boys obviously totally bought into what Andrew was saying. And as you said, yeah, he had to sort of give a wee bit up in the ass, I think, <laughs> after that first break. But listen, it's all part of the learning process between Andy and the players and getting the system right. But what was really promising for me is there's a lot of young players there that are on show. Um, young Moffat was an absolute standout for me the other day. Don't know much about the lad, but he looked as if he just was played for Celtic for a long time. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And I know it's a pre-season friendly, but he obviously knows exactly what Ange is looking for because he was chasing everything all over the park and took his goal really well um, as well. But um, no, very promising for us in the first pre-season friendly. As I said the other night, I wanted to see us in action. I wanted to see Ange's philosophies getting across and seeing how quickly the players are buying in here. But I think they're buying in there pretty quickly. And also, the, the boys who have been away at the Euros are all going to come back this weekend. So um, I think it's an exciting prospect to see us playing uh, at the weekend as well. Because obviously there's been a lot of talk over the last year or two about us and the youth players, why they always want to leave. And mm-hmm. as you mentioned there, there was a lot of good youths on show. So there is guys coming through. Um, but obviously it's just getting a chance. And yeah. obviously pre-season, because of, again, we'll touch on it as we go on the podcast about lack of players and signs and movement. These guys, this could be the best time to get into the managers here because if I'm not signing anybody yet, they've got maybe two or three weeks to try and get into that squad for the start of the season. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. This, this is the best opportunity for these young guys to, to get into Angie's plans and Angie's thoughts. Angie's coming in with a clean slate. Uh, he doesn't know any of these players when they first came in, so everyone's got a fair crack of it. But even, you know, obviously, I'll be in a Yeti look like a different player the other day. 
and I know it's only one game in a few seasons, mm-hmm. but I'll be in a year. I'll be in a year. It was such a disappointment for me last season. Um, I saw a lot of him when he played for Bale in Switzerland before he got his move, and I thought this could be the next Gary Hooper for Celtic mm-hmm. when he signed because he's a similar type of player. Um, but it was it was so disappointing last year, and I, I don't think it was all Albion's fault. I think he struggled with, with obviously injuries and we're trying to rush him back. I don't think the system worked for him. What Len was trying to do. See him the other day. He looked like a different like mm-hmm. signing, yeah. and that's only one preseason game. So that is a good opportunity for Albion to impress as well after that last season. But as I said, as, sorry, as you said, there's a lot of young boys there. Look, a really good opportunity um, to try and make their way into the, the manager's plans for the season ahead. Because obviously we're saying a yeti. Um, to be fair, the yeah. last kind of the last kind of few days, I've kind of watched some of my videos on him and looked at him and what he done with Basel and. I've seen, obviously, I played up front myself, so I tend to look at forwards a bit more. Right, um, yeah. Just how they're moving. And, but I think he's moving, even when he wasn't fit last year, his movement was superb. Mm-hmm. You can tell he's got that striker's instinct. I think the game it done, the game it done it for me was, I think it was a two-each game against Lille. He was up front himself. Uh-huh. Um, and him and Elanousi really lined up well. And I know they played with Basel. You've obviously seen a bit more maybe than me than Basel. And uh-huh. they two lined up well. With Basel, um, yeah, and I, I watched a lot of his goals. And I know YouTube always people say YouTube always show you the good bits and whatever else, but all his goals are going to put the penalty area. They were all yeah. we, they were all tappings and we nifty finishes. But Just, but they these days, these strikers are worth a weight in gold. Tappings might be easy to score, but you've got to be in the positions to score their goals. And yeah. last season, I know Edward got 20 odd goals, but. We weren't really in any positions. That's why we missed so many chances. No creating enough. And obviously didn't help me, but we've seen a lot of goals. But the goes to Yeti, I think for me, when it comes to last season, I'm, I've kind of took it apart. Every player regressed last season. So, mm-hmm. as we said the other day, that something obviously wasn't right for just about every player to know be at their peak because I was watching some behind the scenes with Everton the other day. I think John Joe Kenny turned up and my dad's, like, my dad's like, oh, fuck. He wound up playing with Everton this year after being poor for us. Uh-huh. And that's just what happened to Celtic. And yeah. He was realistically, I think he was Everton's second choice, roughly, maybe on the bench right back. So how can he go for that to play with Celtic and then like, been absolutely like, dead rubber? Is it, is it no. the pressure of playing with Celtic because you know that you win every week at Everton? Or, for me, it's, it's crazy how they can... Like Shane Duffy as well, you're coming to playing against top, top players week in, week out. And... No disrespect to your league. Some average players that are no maybe only on two grand a week compared to what they're on and they're struggling. You're thinking, is it a mentality thing or is it pressure? It's weird, isn't it? It's maybe it's maybe a bit of both, Ryan. It's really hard to put your finger on it, but I, and I completely understand mm-hmm. fans' frustration, your frustration. I've I was frustrated with Shane Duffy as well. I thought Shane Duffy Duffy came up here and walk it. Mm-hmm. Generally did. Um and he was a type of type of seven and a half we were looking for. Um, you know, no nonsense, win the ball, get the ball out to the midfielders and creative players and let them do their stuff. It just didn't happen. The guy looked lost. He looked completely lost. It looked as if he forgot how to play the game. That's it. And that's how bad it was. But, you know, as I said before, and I said in other podcasts, a lot of things have gone on in people's lives and players' lives that, that affected. And obviously Shane came out afterwards and said that there was a big effect in his personal life and things like that. For, and that does affect your performance. But... Even going back to John Joe Kenny, you know, I saw John Joe Kenny play for Schalke in the Bundesliga and the guy was holding his own, you know, against top opposition, one of the top five leagues in Europe, and he was holding his own for Schalke, who weren't a great team, but he was actually doing quite well. I mean, Celtic 
I picked it up. I went, do you know what? He'll do a job for us. That, that was my opinion. I said to myself at the time, he'll do a job for us. He should mm-hmm. stay to the ship at that position. And like you said, again, he just, he just struggled. And it was like he forgot how to play that position. He's probably played that position all his days. Um, so it's, it is, it's really hard to be thinking about it. I think when players come into Celtic, I don't think they, they understand, unless you're a, a local boy from Glasgow or a, a Celtic fan or whatever, I don't think you quite understand the expectation mm-hmm. that's on you. And I remember an interview with Virgil van Dijk said that when he signed for Celtic, that he, he came here and knew Celtic were a big club now, but when he was here, he realised that you have to win every single game. But he said that was one of the best lessons he got um, because it made him a winner. Made my winner and look, look, look what he is now. You know, he had the right mentality to, to yeah, rise exactly. up, rise above that, and become a winner. Some some players out there just just don't have that. That's my but, that but definitely on a yeti for me. I, I, I do think I know it. He might not get his twenty goals, but I think he'll score you important goals. And I think with the way uh-huh. we spoke the other day, the way Ange wants to play. For me as well, if you're a striker, if you're not getting balls into the box, you're not getting chances. There's not much you can really do because I don't think he's got a guy that's going to go on the channels. No. He might hold the ball up and like to play, but... Yeah, he will. He will, yeah. But I, I, think, think, he needs, I think he needs to be involved in the game. Um, yeah. For he's, me, he's going to, I, yeah. He's, he's going to be... When I, when I saw him for Bowie, he was he reminded me a lot of Gary. And like you said, he scored a lot of goals in the box. Um, Tapping, six-yard box. But those are the, goals, the important goals, like you said, that you need. Um, but yeah, he, he's, he's going to play these back to goal. He's going to link up the play. These players run about him to, to create things. But I think Albin Ayeti does what he's meant to do. He'll score double figures, no problem this season. Absolutely no problem whatsoever. Um, and going by his sort of first game, there, it looks as if he's up for it. So that's that's a good sign as well. And obviously, we're talking about uh, kind of youth players and stuff. Um, young boy Liam Shaw, I thought, was a standout, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he'd be very comfortable in the ball. and it looks quite a big lump as well, so I don't think he'll take any nonsense. I know he's only, I think he's maybe only 20, 21 again. He's a, a, yeah. a young player, so coming for a big, well, Sheffield Wednesday are a big club, let's be honest. I know they're doing league man, but they're a big club, but you're coming for a big club to a massive, massive establishment at Celtic. It's a massive industry at Celtic, so again, they guys want to come in, and obviously this is the perfect time to join in with the, the, the team and get a kind of, basically get a, a slow burner into pre-season. And I hope they guys... Again, we'll touch on it as we go on about transfers and stuff that maybe he might be one of the gems, but as I've said before and you've said, no, every young player and every cheap sign is a gem. So, again, you're just hoping that they get plucky and he does turn out a very good player. Yeah, absolutely. I was quite impressed with William Shaw the other day as well. I think the one thing I liked about him was his um, full energy, full energy and pushing on the park and creating those transitions, as, as Ange calls it. Um, so that was good to see as well. Um, but no, I think I think he'll do well. He just needs to develop in the right way. And as long as he's getting game time, I think these players need game time and whatever level. Sorry, my daughter's just chatting one day. <laughs> Sorry. Um, as long as these players are getting sort of game time um, and progressing in the right way. Um, listen, they might not get into the first team. They get the first team great, but as long as they're getting you not know, competitive game time, they will develop further. Because obviously, um, I know a lot of international players when they're playing, but. Um... Edouard Timon for the last half an hour, I thought he, I know it's only a pre-season game, whatever else, but for me, you can see a difference the guy brings. He was mm-hmm. just, I thought he was effortless in what he'd done. He was bringing players into play. He was just, and again, he took his goal very well. And I know, for, see, for me, I thought he was no, I don't think he's ever played with Celtic again. I thought that was him done. Yeah, so, see, just, I know he, I know he might still go, right? But 
see just to see him play for Celtic again. Vab is that brilliant. He's a he's yeah. a slipper again. As much as I maybe criticise him, his attitude if he go if he went down south or he went abroad, they would need to work harder. He need to more off the ball. Obviously, scoring goals is a massive thing, but. When you go to these bigger clubs, you need to do more off the ball and you need to run the channels, you need to link your play. But for the half an hour to go, I thought he played really well. He looked sharp and he was kind of tracking back to help the young players. And it's something he didn't see last year. He didn't mm-hmm. track back as much. And and within half an hour, as, as you mentioned about Yeti, I seen a difference in the players who were there last year. They were, they were, running, they were running a bit more, and especially Yeti and the captaincy. I know it's only a pre season game, but that must have been a vote of God for him as well. Ah, yeah, I think that would have gave him a big lift. Um, and I, I was quite surprised, to be completely honest, to be here about that. Um, I know there's a lot of young boys and things like that playing as well, but listen, that's maybe what Albion needs. You know, he needs that wee lift. Um, I think, like you said, yeah, Eddie just came back and looked as if he'd never been away <laughs> from, from the game the other day, which was good. Um, as you say, that I was kind of resigned to him going. Um, and I think a lot of people thought he was going to Leicester, and, and obviously, but Leicester have moved on to other targets. So, Listen, we've got him here. Hopefully, he's going to be here. I'd really like him just to stay mm-hmm. uh, and help us, if he can score 20-plus goals again, and help us wrestle that title back off Rangers. Um, that would be good for us. So I was actually saying that, I think it was Robert the other day. Um, I was talking about, about Edward and that on the phone. And I've kind of said, I know fans are saying, sell him and get the £15 million, whatever is right. But for me, I'd rather keep him for one more season. Qualify. Because let's be honest, he's, a, he's, he's he probably is the best player in Scotland, if I figured out. Um, so I would rather keep him for a season, lose that transfer fee, but knowing what you're going to get, 30 million, maybe at the end of the season. So you're going to get 15 million really for him. Really, mm. you're getting, he's giving you the money back because he's, he's got you into Europe. You're going to get you're going to get better players in the future after him. And guys like Tumble might, might sell on next year. McGregor might go. Mm. So you, you might get actually a better suitor by doing that. I don't know, yeah. it's just, I'm agreeing with you, I'd rather keep him and get us to that glory path of winning the league, getting us two or three years ahead by winning the league because you're going to get the value of the Champions League money right yeah. away, guaranteed. You're going to get maybe a better sponsor, maybe a year, or you can't, I know they just had a three or four year deal, so yeah, you, might, but you might get other people want to put shares in your club because you know they're going to have in, in Europe next year, so yeah. like I say to Robert and all, you know yourself, when the man when the back of your manager like we did with Rogers, the income Rogers got for us, I think it was like it was an own nine or mum ago or something. Massive income. The club the club the club generate more money. Um, the, the better the club the team doing the pitch the club generate more money. And that's just a fact for every club. Um, and, and Rogers obviously had a big pool, you know, big name, prestige and things like that. But oh, but when Rogers it wasn't just the name we got him for, we got him to transform the team and he did do that and he done it very successfully. Um, but no, like, like you said, I think that you know, keep heady, um, as long as he wants to stay. That, I think that's probably the critical thing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, as long as Eddie wants to stay here and he's happy and he's like, he'll, he'll hit his form, and I'm pretty sure he'll do well for us. Listen, if he, if he wants to go, then I think the club will get a decision to make at that point. And as I said the other, the other night, there, there's no point keeping him an unhappy player because he'll just not get the best out of him. And then um, we've got a point for the live stream I mentioned uh, for JP. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He's wanting to ask you why do you, oh, we, we have spoken about it before, um, okay. how slow Celtic are doing transfers and stuff. But basically, there's two weeks or 10 days to go till the qualifiers. Why is this process slower getting these players in? And mm-hmm. in your opinion, why do we dilly dally in these transfers? Why are we always 
we'll get past the first qualifier, then we'll maybe look at or we'll get past the first two, we'll wait and see. In mm. your opinion, do you think it's today be is it money? Is it just no getting the targets, or do you think it's just it's just something that takes time? No, it's, it's it's actually a really good question because I know a lot of Celtic fans, a lot of my friends and family included, ask the question all the time as well. So it's a good point for JP. But basically, the the way it works is Celtic will have a list of targets. Now that list of targets would have been generated from the scouting team and the recruitment team probably back in January, I would say, and they would have monitored those players over the last six months to both the end of the season. Now. Uh, one of the factors that's caused the problem is the fact that Lennon is no longer there. Mm-hmm. There's a change of management, but there's also a change at the higher level of the chief executive. And Peter Lowell was always involved in all the transfer dealings as well. Um, Mickey Hammond's now gone. A lot of the recruitment team have now left. I know there is some of the recruitment team that, that's still there and still actively involved. Um, but basically, Anne just came in. He's probably been hit with a list of targets. He'll, well, he'll probably been sitting in wherever Japan or wherever he's doing his isolation get through the targets and try to get these players in I have absolutely no doubt Celtic are doing everything they can at this very moment to get players in before the, the Midgetland game um, in a couple of weeks the the factors that come into play is one the clubs are dealing with obviously trying to negotiate fees and work over the clubs that becomes quite difficult at times especially if the player at that said club is maybe get two or three shirts that are after so the, the, the selling club will try and maximise that as much as they can. You've got the agent that's involved. No doubt the agent will know Celtic's interested. So what he'll be doing is he'll go on the phone to everybody else and tell them Celtic are interested in my player here, try to generate more interest for him. And that's and, going to obviously blow other suitors up to come in. Aye, exactly. exactly. And, and what they'll do is they'll know take the first offer from Celtic. Because um, you never take the first offer in anything, you know. Even when you get to sell your house, you go like never take the first offer. So they'll keep things going. So this doesn't happen over the course of days and weeks, you know. This can take a month, can take two months, and generally what you find is, I think especially with some of the big clubs, the Lord Celtic, they that tends to it tends to drag on a wee bit. Now I think what Celtic tend to do is I think Celtic of previously maybe looked at a player and held out for that player for such a long time and then when right, we kind of get them and come August and go, shit, we kind of get the second choice and we kind of get the third choice. So when they go to the fourth choice, there tends to be a loan option. So I think probably that could be done a bit better. And if you're not getting a player over the space, I thought we can say, right, cut the losses and move on to the next one. That's, that's just, just my opinion. But um, yeah, there's, there's many, many factors. As I say, selling club, Celtic are a factor, the player's agent. If it's a young player, the parents are generally involved as well and they want to know whether they're getting the best thing for their, for their son as well. So, yeah, there's just so many factors at play. It doesn't happen over a space of a couple of days. But I'll be honest, when, when I took right to Celtic, we started those discussions um, probably like the tail end of the, last, the season before mm-hmm. and got the deal done on deadline day. That was how long it took. That's a lot of time, man. Can suddenly... Southern East Point in Scotland as well. Yeah, no, so abroad or anything. Celtic, there was, there was. So this is probably another factor. It's, it might be different now, but the setup at the time was, you know, you had John Park was the head scout at the time. You had Peter Lowell and you had Ronnie Dylan as the manager. You know, John Park wanted to do it. Peter wasn't so sure, or, or whoever. I'm not saying that's a fact, but that's what it is. It's like the, the people who are involved at the club and ready to make a decision. And maybe two of them, about four, are going. Oh, I'm not really sure about this player. Whereas a lot of them going, No, we really need to do this. So that takes time. They've got to convince each other. You know, is it the right man? Is it not? Is it unanimous? Sometimes it's not unanimous. You know, but um, like I said, 
there's just so many factors involved in it that it takes so long. And, and honestly, we've realised that it took quite a long time to get that done. It eventually did done, thankfully. Um, but yeah, it just it does take up. It does take time. And then there's obviously there's talk about him maybe going to Palace or Burnley now. So yeah, again, we don't know what's going to happen. But no. I think I think now considering he's maybe what, six months left, the chances there's no, there's no really been any talk about him signing a new deal. So I think obviously maybe see I just maybe need to cash in them. Obviously, best yeah. if he does go because I know some fans have given some jip in the last year or so. But I do think again I feel from last season because he wasn't played in the position where he's a natural. He's not a winger. No. Um, no, no. We, all, we can all see that and that's one reason why he was took and hitting shots because how can he do his job working for a midfield and taking shots when he's out wide so he's got to come in and obviously because he's getting frustrated and he's, he's, he's hitting the ball wild he's, that happens in football I've been there myself I was a striker and I played out wide and I used to fucking hate it Mom. I used to hate mm-hmm. it just because I was quick before you could play out wide I'm like no my brain is to play up front not to play out wide and then he wanted to chase back him, but that's not my job. So it's the same with James Forrest. I know James Forrest is a winger, but James Forrest, for me, defensively, I don't think he does enough because he's not a defensive winger. He's attacking fullback. So that's why I think hopefully when Ange comes in now, you've got a fullback who will just be up and down, up and down like you had with Tierney and Lustig. Lustig may have not been quick, but he, had, he always makes the time cover the ground and it yeah. helped the guys like your Sinclair's and you know, Roberts and Forrest as the years went by and I think that's what we need now we need guys to play in the positions where they're naturally positioned to play because you know yourself it's all right signing good players like you're there on season your tumbles we did last season but you can't just go right down and go and play I've got to find a system a philosophy and I think we'll all start last season I think hopefully this season we'll get that back I think I, I hope so um, yeah I totally agree with you I hope so I think we'll probably overloaded because we're number 10 Last year was just the ultimate fact. For me, Ryan Chris is number 10. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a creative player that'll play in the pockets, play between the lines. Um, and, and listen, I know he takes a lot of grief about his shots and, he, and his shots were the best last year, but I tell you something, the boy can hit, yeah. hit the ball. Um, he can, and he, he's dangerous from outside the box. And as you said, a lot of frustration probably crept in with him as well, um, which is just natural. Um, but listen, he's been a great player for Celtic. It was a privilege to take him there um, myself. And see how well he's done and how well he's developed. It's, it's been brilliant to see it. Um, uh, and as you say, you know, Ange, I'm pretty sure, will find players that fit his system. I don't think he's going to just bring players together and tell them to go out and play. Mm-hmm. They need to be doing their job individually to work well as a team. Um, and I'm pretty sure he'll, he'll do that with the team this year. And obviously, you see, obviously, Ryan kind of got that deal done with Ryan. It must be a good thing for you as well because. You've obviously seen how good he is. You've got him the move in a way. So, again, it's kind of you being good at your job as well. You've highlighted the player. You've got the deal done. You've highlighted the club. And, again, that's obviously a, a part in the back of yourself as well, knowing that you've got him the move he's got and knowing that he might go into the future. Mm-hmm. And that's all staying for kind of your work as well. And that scout, as you say, that scouting work kind of comes into that type of play. Yeah. Yeah, obviously, when, when, you, when you find players like Ryan and you see them progress on it, um, obviously playing for Celtic and doing well for Celtic and then probably progressing into the Premier League. Yeah, you, think, you take a wee step back and go, I was proud to be part of that and, and obviously be involved. Um, and as you say, it gives me a bit more confidence doing the, the sort of scouting side of things as well. And there's, there's been numerous players over the years that I've seen and they've gone on to better careers and bigger careers, which has been great. Um, but yeah, listen, I'm pretty sure he'll go down there and he'll do well. 
I've no doubt about that whatsoever. Um, it's got the it's got the attitude and the right mentality to do it, and the ability, obviously, as well. So I think as well. I think maybe Palace and Burnley. I think you'd be thriving them, and it wouldn't surprise me. I get a move. Further up to like Everton or something. Well, you, you see my hand to Andy Robertson. Do you know what I mean? Andy Robertson went down south to the Hull and he was a breath of fresh air and, and he got his move to Liverpool, you know. Um, there's been there's been numerous players of the years that went down there and done well and then moved up to a bigger club um, coming from, from the Scottish League. So, um, like obviously, Stuart Armstrong's doing really well with Southampton now as well. Um, and obviously, Virgil van Dijk. Do you know what I mean? Don't, don't really exceed much more than that. So, um, no, I'm pretty sure himself and a big eye goes as well, then fair enough. The exact same man, he's been a good sell at the club. Um, I'm pretty sure he'll, he'll do well doing that. Um, I've got another question as well for Perry. He's asked, um, kind of which your kind of oversight is like a transfer process and what's the need to get a deal completed? Who's involved? Is it more to do with the clubs than as the agent or who's involved in the full kind of process of getting deals done? Um, there's quite a lot of people involved nowadays, so... It really stems from, from an agent point of view, you would have a player um, and you'll try and target clubs that you think that player could, could go to. So say, say, for instance, you've got a player that's playing championship in Scotland, you want to to a Premier League team. So you, you would try and speak to the recruitment teams at those clubs in the Premier League, find out if he's on the radar, first and foremost, uh, and obviously try and speak to the powers that be at those clubs, the guys that are going to make the decisions. Um, obviously, a big part of it is data analysis. So... One of the big things I was getting involved in and what I was spending more time on as an agent was trying to look at data analysis and look at your clients and look at what they're doing in terms of are they influencing the game, are they scoring goals, are they creating chances, are they covering the pitch, are they how, how many kilometres they're running in a game? Because then that, that's good ammunition for you. But for a sales pitch almost, you can turn and say, well, look, he's covering more ground than what your number eight is doing right now at your own team. So he's a better player than him, etc. You used to try and use that to your advantage, but listen, the recruitment teams at these clubs are, are already doing that. Generally, your player, is ten, your, your player tends to be on a list or on the radar at least anyway for a chance for the deal to be done. But anyway, once once it gets through that stage, the recruitment team do their, their nitty gritty. They'll pass that on to whoever, if it's head of recruitment, the manager, sporting director, technical director, whoever it is, and they, they'll basically start, they'll speak to yourself, try and ascertain the interest if your client's interested in going there. Um, and that's how the discussions basically get going. And then from that, they'll, they'll try and deal with the club. Um, they get a fee arranged. And, um, basically, they'll, they'll speak to whoever the club is, sport director or the club or whatever, try and get the deal done between the two clubs. And then once, to be honest, when, when it's a club itself to come for players, it's pretty straightforward from the personal mm-hmm. terms, sort of agreement. Of course, you know, Celtic try to look after themselves and we're trying to look after ourselves uh, as well as the player. So... Um, there's obviously a bit of negotiation goes on, but um, as I said, dealing with Celtic is actually pretty straightforward when you're dealing with them. The, the, the time it took was a bit longer was between the two clubs, you know, clubs trying to get the best fee for a player and stuff like that as well. But once you're, once you're over that hurdle, you get the deal done. Um, once, basically, they'll, they'll do the medical and stuff like that and make sure the player's up to shape and do all the blood tests and whatever they do. But that, that's a day. People don't realise that. That's a day. That takes, takes hours. You know, um, Celtic's case, they'll send somebody to Ross Hall uh, and they're there. Player will be there six, seven hours. Easy. Uh, when, we, when, we, when Ryan done his deal, we were there the day before deadline day, that day, and they didn't get all the stuff finished. So we, had to go back, we had to go back in the morning, had to go and do a blood test. And the blood test results hadn't even come through. And um, basically, I was just going to hold things up and everything gets sorted. And it was fine. But people don't realise that, yeah. that takes a long time, the medical process. 
which clubs have got to do. Clubs have got to protect themselves. There's been, there's been horror stories over the years, especially on the other side of the city. I think a couple of players who um, wouldn't have passed the medical and stuff like that and obviously signed them, it cost them a lot of money. So the clubs have got to do that. After that, it's pretty much plain sailing. You're, you're back into the club, player goes and does all the media stuff, sign the deal, done, uh, and then everybody walks away happy. That's something I've kind of been watching a bit more on YouTube and stuff, and I'm interested in how like, deals are done, how medicals are done, what they do in the first day of pre-season, all that type of stuff. And I've been watching it a few times recently. Players, I watched the one with Billy Gilmore signed, um, the guy Angus Burns signed. Uh-huh. They two went to Norwich, and it showed you them did bits of medical. Like, he was like even the goal, even the simple things with the goalkeeper that he was make sure his knuckles are all right and. Ankle. Oh, I, 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 I think that was. It was there for. I think it was just at the for like six years, and for me, it's I, it's mental how, like I said before, we come on. Some fans don't realise what goes on behind the scenes. Obviously, I, I know more because I spoke I, to you, and I've I've been up kind of pro youth myself, so I know what goes behind the scenes with stuff and speak to people and. Some fans don't get that knowledge, and I think they just turned up. They sign a contract the day a medical, and that's Aye. it. Maybe, these maybe things, um, these things, maybe, these things they take uh, a while. You do, Ryan. It's not like back in the eighties. You know, sign a bit of paper, and that's you. You're, you're a player. Um, the, the medical process is very thorough, thorough for a reason to protect the clubs. There's so much money on the line that mm-hmm. you know players sign a four-year contract. Some players are signed four-year contracts in a million years. That's that's just a fact. Um, um, signing contracts, a lot of money. Clubs need to protect themselves, so they spend a lot of money with people that, uh, sorry, places like Ross Hall and all these other places they go to, doctors and whatever. And so they're giving that player a thorough examination. I'm talking MRI scans, everything, you name it, they get it. Um, a full body scan for everything, blood test, you name it, they get everything done. And it can take it can take a couple of days. Some cases, it takes a couple of days for whatever reason. There might, there might, something might come up on the scan, you know, MRI mm-hmm. scan, or what's that? Maybe need another opinion. You know, bringing this orthopedic surgeon, he needs to look at it. No, everything's fine. Don't worry about it. So, you know what I mean? People don't realise that. Um, so, it's definitely a long, I don't say drawn out process, it's a long process mm-hmm. to get something done. It's a really difficult process and a complicated process just because of the amount of factors that are involved in it. And, and everything's moving and changing all the things. I said, when we spoke to Celtic about Ryan at the time, there was a bit of hesitant, hesit- we were hesitant about it and should we do it now and should we leave it to later? And, you know, they hadn't really made their mind up. Mm-hmm. That happens all the time. We all different because there's just so many people involved. Do you know what I mean? And um, as I said, there's just so many fads involved, and that's why it takes us so long. You see, obviously, mm-hmm. you were mentioning um, about obviously there's a lot of money involved now in football transfers yeah. and stuff. That's why, for me, I think as well, the reason why these bigger teams are doing these long medicals because the same as Celtic, I know maybe two million pound to sell a lot of money, so they need to make mm-hmm. sure that players. Obviously, fairly fit to come in and train right away, and he's obviously previous injuries. And obviously, to what happened to Ericsson, clubs only to know if that's well, maybe exactly something. That's the best example. That's they need to know if I could have a faulty heart, if I could have a faulty back, anything. Because let's yeah. be honest, it's it's maybe become more apparent now that these things are coming up. And again, is that maybe because these players are too, far too fit? I don't know what, what the cause is. Is it just a freak of nature these things happen? I don't. I don't know, but it's really Very, critical. Yeah. That it's critical that these clubs do these things because, again, it's these things like that could take two days. As you say, blood tests don't arrive to two or three days later. And I think it's it's interesting for me as well because a lot of fans don't actually know what goes behind the scene. They just think they're paying a £600 
they're watching the team and that's it and they're not performing oh that's fucking shite why they're not playing well and as you said before there's a lot of factors that make you play well it's obviously your outside league because me and Robert spoke to the I keep getting back to because it, it was a real interesting interview with, with, with Sam Wardrobe. Um, he's currently murdering now, um, and he does yeah. a lot of things and about nutrition and whatever else. And he was even saying, he says, people don't realise, I think the thing we spoke about was Shane Duffy. Um, mm. we don't, people don't realise how much, if you're performing on the park's not very good, it might not be because you're not performing well, it could be your outside. He mm. says, that morning of that game, you could have an argument with your missus and it sets you up for the rest of the day. He says it's really yeah. simple things and he says fans sometimes need to take a step back and realise that because he plays one bad game it does mean he's a bad player because if, if you've had a bad week training he says most of the time you've a bad week game that, that game because you've not prepared properly he says so these players need to be for me that, I, I agree with him that's why these players are paid a lot of money because they need to as soon as they wake up they need to be an athlete to go to bed they need to perform every day yeah. in training to the Saturday and I, I was the same when I played even the amateur on 21s, if I didn't eat well that week or I had a bad training session or a bad day, I know for a fact that weekend I struggle. It's all about mentality and I think some Aye. fans need to take a step back and realise that sometimes. Yeah, I, I think so. And obviously, you've obviously spoke to young Sam and, and Sam will give you a right good perspective of what it's like being a player. And, and I've, I've seen it, I've seen it myself. And players don't switch off, mate. They don't switch off. It's It's... 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, they are on it. And they've got to be on it. If they're not on it, they're not performing. I remember listening to Kevin Phillips um, after he retired and he was in an interview and he actually said, they said to him, you know, what's the, what's the, what's the good thing? Obviously, he's like, I miss playing football and all, all the usual stuff. Of course, he's going to miss it. Um, but he played quite long in his career. But he, he said, what's the thing you've, you've really looked forward to after retiring? He said, spending Christmas with my family. Spending Christmas with my family. He said, I've not spent a Christmas day with my family since I've been, since I've been ever, since he's been playing. Because he's either in the hotel, at the mm-hmm. training ground. People don't realise the sacrifices that players make to get to that level. Now, I know 100%, you know, players get paid a lot of money. It's a massive amount of money they get paid per week. And a lot of people probably don't have any sympathy for them. But what I'm saying is, you know, most people can go out of bed on a Monday morning and go home on a Friday and they're finished mm-hmm. at work and go and enjoy the weekend. These guys don't. It's seven days a week. It's constant. As you said, the slightest wee thing can set them off and it affects their performance. The next minute they're getting 40,000 people giving them a hard time. Mm-hmm. What's that going to do to them? It's just going to make them feel worse. And that's why mental health is a big thing now in football. And I think people are beginning to understand the, the impact of mental health. And a lot of players have come out recently and spoke about it. Stephen Cocker was one that I was listening to quite a lot. I watched that interview. That was good, wasn't it? It was really good. Really, really. And it was a really good insight. Because that guy had everything. Everybody thought everybody thought from the outside looking in. That guy had everything. You know, he was going to play for England. He was playing for Tottenham. He was Tottenham at the time. He said to go away and he said to, you know, deal with his problems and face his problems. Deal. Look what the guy is now. The guy just signed for Fenerbahce. I've seen that, aye. Fenerbahce just signed for, you know, he's not. he, he, he was getting slaughtered at one point. You know, like, oh, he's shite. He's past it. He went to Dundee, didn't he? He was at Dundee. I, I think that was partly when he was getting some help and, and dealing with things and stuff like that. I came up to Dundee and, and I think I actually done already at Dundee, to be fair. Because, but, um, was it not before he went to Dundee that Rogers tried to get him or was it when he was at Dundee? There was, there was talk of that, that's right. I remember, no, I think it might have just, maybe just before, I remember there was talk about that. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously Brendan Brenda knew the talent the guy had and obviously knew the type of player he was and he would have fitted in well if that was the case. But, you know, there's a guy that's 
been knocked down so hard. And look where he is now. Um, but that's what I'm saying. Players at that level, mate, have got such great mental strength mm-hmm. and mental ability to deal with those problems. And don't get me wrong, people just need to remember, you know, they're only human. These guys are only human at the end of the mm-hmm. day. But what they do day in, day out, listen, that's why they're paid the money, because they do not switch off. And that's probably one reason why they make it at that level. Um, yeah, yeah. And that's one reason why I'm interested in getting guys like yourself on here, but guys who have played at the top level or, or managed or have worked at the highest level because I want to know how, how you get to that, like how you can... Obviously, social media now is a massive thing. And if, yeah. I, if I was ever a professional, I would have something to do with that. I, I wouldn't even look at it because yeah. I just think it's... It's a it's a scary place sometimes. It's, it's very positive. It's very positive when mm-hmm. I can't mind who it was. It was an interview with somebody I watched a, a while ago. I can't mind. It was somebody down south or something. And it says when you score a goal or you play well, you're the best thing since sliced bread. You can all the praise, but as soon as you make one bad pass, it's this guy's fucking shite. Get him bin, get him sat. And he says that's when some football players can't switch off and they, they want to reply and they want to can't reply. And that's why a lot of these, I think that guys are in charm or I think they've got people doing that for them now. Because I, that must be hard. It must be hard because not just that, your phone must be ping, ping, ping all the time. Constantly. I know. All the time. I know. I know. It's probably one of the things that I, I wouldn't be taking on. It's probably, to be honest, I find that distraction even in my life just now. And I'm not an elite football player. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, you're spending that much time on your phone nowadays. It's, it's shocking. But um, yeah, I think that does affect people. And I think that's really been spoken about recently, you know, online, you know, trolling and things like that. We're just not, we're just people in general. But um, but yeah, I'm sure players take a lot of grief from that side of things. And if I was advising the players, I would just be saying, but well, don't be surprised with it, you know, because it's just going to knock you down. Because like you say, one, mis- one mistake you make, you know, this goalkeeper could be saving everything and he makes one mistake, puts it in the back of the net and all of a sudden he's a villain. Do you know what I mean? That's just the way football is, unfortunately, with some people. Well, that's, that's the thing as well with Barker, <laughs> Big Barker, should we call him? Barker, is that the new name? Barker, <laughs> um, right. he, he got slaughtered last year and I think when he actually looked at his stats, I think he got out his Macy games and his clean sheets, I think. He didn't do that bad and because obviously it was a Champions League game that he, he didn't really cover himself in glory, but... Again, I, I sympathise in a way because people, again, people don't realise how much spending time with your family or spending time with your teammates, going for a coffee, going for a night out, that's a big thing in football, well, team bonding and yeah. whatever else. And last year, because of obviously the restrictions and stuff like that, players were saying they were in changing between three guys and you can't really gel as a team. And again, I still say that. That would have affected Celtic last year because you've got a lot of foreign guys come in, they can't mingle, they can't go for coffees, for lunches. Probably don't even speak the language or whatever. Exactly. Right. And, and that's what I keep saying. He's came from, from my opinion, AK Athens, who are a decent team. They always do okay in Europe. Sometimes they get further. He played well. I, I can mind I've watched him against us and he played okay. Mm-hmm. He's played against me and my dad by Munich and some of the saves he was making, he was commanding, he was shouting and balling. I just personally think it's confidence. You don't send a goal, in my opinion, for five million pound if you don't rate him. Because for Celtic, you know yourself, when when does Celtic pay big big money for a goalkeeper? Very yeah, early. I know that's true. So they must have, and obviously you know yourself, or I don't know if you know Stevie Woods personally. Stevie Woods is a very good, for what I've heard, he's oh, very very highly rated. Yeah, and yeah, I don't absolutely. think he would be signing off somebody who he thought wasn't up to standard to come play with Celtic. No, so I think I think you're right. I think. 
it was probably difficult for him to move to a foreign country, especially with the COVID restrictions. I think that was difficult for a lot of people. Um, I touched on it the other night. I remember William Petrov got talks of use when John Barnes had him. But I remember we signed him from CSK Sofia and he couldn't speak a word of English. I think he was he was only 19 or something when we signed him. But once he started adapting to the Scottish lifestyle and the language and what the player that guy became, he was incredible for Celtic. He's one of my favourite players at Celtic, I remember growing up. Um, and I'm not saying Barkas has got to be the next sort of Stirling or the goalkeeper equivalent of Stirling Petrov. But what I'm saying is, you know, this is going to be a big season. This is going to be a very big season for, for Barkas this year. I think that Ange will give him his chance. I really do. Um, I think you can see that from the training park calling him, maybe calling him Barkas next game. The whole he's going to stay around. Um, I think he's going to get his chance this year. And I just, I just really, really hope that he's the player that we all believe that he can. And then obviously we're talking about kind of transfers. Um, yeah. Again, rumours about Bio again going today. And I think I, I spoke to you about it personally today. That um, for me, again, it's more money. Yes, Scott. Cheerio, mate. Cheerio, mate. Yeah. Um, I think for me it was very. Again, it's more money spunked in a way. It's another project we've signed. I know the guy. The guy didn't really get a chance. I what understand did they sign him for? What did they sign him for? I think it was one. Was it one and a half, two million pounds for was, was it Slovakia or Slovenia? Was it Slovakia? Um, and I think he's supposedly he's very, very good in the air and and I know I know he played done okay with Toulouse. There's a lot of I think there's a guy was it this last season? I think he was a top goal scorer in the league two and I think he went to Leon for a good bit of money. So uh-huh. I think that is a good bit of talent because I'm sure Giroud came for, didn't he? With Toulouse. G- was that no. league two? No, or was it league one? Oliver uh, Giro came from Montpellier. Montpellier, that it was. Um, and I think it might have been League Two at the time. Was it, I, think, um, well, I, think it I knew he came to some yeah. sort of league for there, but again, he's yeah. had a chance. He'll end in a game of sniff. Again, the bits I've seen him, I know he, he didn't really look too great, but that's the thing I'm, I'm trying to get across. A few, it was a good point for Robert, but Robert made the other day. Um, he put in his Twitter basically saying we've had 11 million points for Frampong. Few hundred grand for Hamid, money for other guys, blah blah, and then we've only signed two young projects for three three hundred grand, six hundred grand, and you're thinking, mm. how how you expect to move on to a club when you're no recruiting that money? Especially as we've said before, mm. the season books are going to fly off, which they have flied off again, even though we've had a poor season. Yeah, the steps are going to fly off the because they look great. The, the training kit, I bought I bought the mint t-shirt today because it's beautiful. It's mm. just they're going to fly off the shelf. So. There's money going to obviously want the cup and obviously the new manager, it's excitement. It's just one of the ones, for me, like we said the other day, it's already having two or three projects, you can manage them, develop yeah. them and maybe sell them in the morning for DL. But for me, especially come up for the qualifiers, I think we need to change the model personally. I, I, I say, me and Robert and we spoke about it and Mould I, I spoke about it as well, that we spoke about it just about end of August, going about September. And this is before even the league was finished. We say that we need to change the model now. Mm-hmm. We said Neil Lennon had to go. The model's got to change because it's not working. We've seen it, how the car crash was going to happen and it happened. And for me, the model's got to change. And if that means that Kendrick's starting to go as well, I think for me, the day need to go. Again, people have got their opinions on that. I think we've got to strip back the full model, how we sign projects, the way we do our bathroom staff. And I don't know what your opinion on it is, mm-hmm. William, but... I think for me the club just needs I'm not saying a total total rebuild but there's a lot of implications that need to be kind of recognised and I think changed but will it happen? I don't know. 
It'd be interesting to know what the model actually is right now. Um, I think there's a lot of questions at the minute from fans, including myself. That I would like to know what, what the model is at the minute. What's the philosophy? Is it the same philosophy we had, you know, bringing players in cheap and selling them on for more money, you know, Victor Manyama and Joe Ledleys and Gary Hoopers and whoever? And it's a long time ago now when you think about it. Um, it'd be good to know what the model is. For me, we, we spoke about this before, you know, the Red Bull model is one of the probably most revered models because it's been very, very successful in the way that they do things and older clubs adopt it um, from, from Ralph Rangnick. Um, I'm not saying it needs to be that model, yeah. but uh, there's got to be an identity. Um, now, I think, on the other hand, I believe that Ange will give us an identity. I think the way he plays football will be very good for us. And I think that will be form part of the model. But it'd be good to know from the sort of recruitment side of things how they're doing it. But at the minute, I don't know enough about it, what's going on at Celtic Park just now. Like I'm only really just like everyone else sort of looking from the outside in. But sort of trying to read between the lines. I think Ange has got a big, big part on the transfers, which, as I said, is a good thing the other night, because um, he'll know the exact type of player that he's looking for to fit within his specific system and the way they want to play. Um, so, yeah, as I said, it'd be, it'd be good to know what the model is. Maybe we're going to find out over the next six months, Ryan, what that model will be, and we maybe just need to let things play out. But I, can't, like, it's, I saw Robert's tweet the other night, and, and it was actually a really, good, a really good point that, you know, we're bringing all this money in. What are we doing with it? Where is it going? And I'd like to think that they're out there trying to spend it at the minute. And it's just the usual. It just takes long. It just takes time to try and get things over the line. So, um, listen, let's let's watch and, and see what happens over the next couple of weeks. Hopefully over the next week or so, we'll obviously see a couple of new faces. I'd like to think it would before the Champions League qualifier. Mm-hmm. Um, but if not, over the next sort of two, three weeks, then we'll, we'll see. Definitely. I will touch on the qualifiers again, but I've got a question yeah. for JP. Um, yeah, sure. Quite, quite a good response, William, for your, uh, your insight. So Probably. he asked, is, did, do you actually know who recruits the post at Celtic or is it a collective? Is it mainly, obviously, um, obviously I know there's a head of recruitment which I've no go to now, but I know normally the recruitment, I know because there's always players scouting players, I know that happens because yeah. no matter Celtic, who's involved, yeah. there's yeah. always a revolving door. There is, um, obviously Nick Hammond was there as part of the recruitment team, Peter Lowell was a major part of that as well. Um, Nick Hammond had his head, his scouting team, recruitment team below that, so they would have been out there doing all the homework. Celtic will get scouts everywhere, like all over the world, um, and they'll be scouting constantly. There's people back at Lennox Town that we do all the data analysis, all the recruitment analysis, and they'll be sitting in front of that gritty and identifying players using the metrics. But they don't just solely, you know, clubs don't solely sort of rely on, sorry, clubs don't solely rely on all the data. They've got to take the data and put it into all the subjective scouting, the traditional scouting, so to speak, you know, the guys on the ground, guys going to the games, writing reports, combine the two together to then keep up with a hit list. So I've got no doubt that's happening or happened before. The, the thing is just now, it looks to me, and I might, listen, JP, I might be completely wrong here, mate, but it looks to me as if Don McKay and Anza took control of that situation. They'll be the guys making decisions with the input from the recruitment team that's, that's still there. Um, I, don't know, I don't know who's personally still there at the minute or who's left, but I'm pretty sure they've got analysts there that are feeding information to Anz and Don to help them sort of make the decisions that are required. Because as we spoke before we came on about Don McKay, uh, Wogan, that I did like the way he spoke and obviously what he's done before. And you're, obviously, I've liked the kind of content from him, what I've seen. And yeah. for me, again, we don't actually know 
as Lowell, I know, I, I know Lowell will be some sort of part because I know because he's part of the SFA type of thing. I'm sure he's going to be part of a club. Is that right? Um, I think he's he's a member of the European Club Association. So he's going to be part of something, isn't he? Is that right? So he's he's the he's the, the delegate for Celtic, mm. so to speak. So he'll be dealing with that aspect of it. So, so he'll still Club be Mass. he'll still be involved in something, probably. Yeah, so he'll be involved in the sort of European Club Association, which mm. deals with matters, and all the European clubs get together as a committee and obviously deal with whatever comes on the agenda. Um, a lot of people I know, a lot of my friends believe that Peter's still got an input with the transfers. I'll be completely honest, I generally don't think he does. Mm-hmm. I, I generally, and I don't think that Don Mackay, I don't know Don Mackay from Adam, don't know the guy. I like the guy from what I'm hearing and seeing, the engagement he's had of, of late. He spoke really well. But Don Mackay isn't successful in the sort of sport business world or the corporate business, whatever way you want to look at it, um, by not being his own man. And I believe he is his own man. And I believe Anz is the guy he wanted from day. Almost, mm-hmm. almost, I don't know whether it was him or Eddie Hill or whatever. But I think when he got Ange, when he spoke and he was telling us, you know, I'm really excited about this, I believed him. Mm-hmm. I genuinely believed that um, he was generally excited, but he got his man. So, yeah, Peter will still be there at the club. I, I believe Peter Lowe was a shareholder at Celtic, so he'll yeah. still have, have something interesting in the club as well. But, listen, it's a new regime from top to bottom. Um, Don McKay is going to be the man taking charge of that. Um, and, listen, I'm sure, I'm sure he'll look after this thing. Because um, obviously, again, they're talking about deals and stuff. There's talk about obviously Ben Davis and um, these uh, Cameron Carter Vicks and also the guy Cal Starfelt. These three rumors to come in and suppose the guy, the guy for the Sweden, Swedish guy, he's met the close. Uh, all centre halves, by the way, aren't it? <laughs> Those three events for all centre halves. That's yeah. obviously me, but there's going to be a bit of fine. About the Ben Davis story, I think Steve McGinn reported it the day. Basically, people were saying, Oh, he's knocked his back, fuck him, don't want him here, blah blah. And I'm from listen, take a step back, right? We all love Celtic, right? But see if you've had maybe, I don't know, I don't know the deal, I don't know what it was going to get. Just say he's been offered 15 grand a week, right? Celtic, yeah, to come in January, right? He's 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 probably looking as well. What am I going to what am I going to do Celtic for the next six months? Am I going to win the league? Maybe no. I might get a cup. Maybe I think the Scottish Cup was still involved. So I thought was it still involved? I don't even know if it was. So he's like, what am I going to do? Am I going to improve for six months? Or do I go to Liverpool? I can st- maybe still win the league. I can still get a bit of money, which again, we all know, as we've said, money's, money's, money talks in football these days. Yeah, um, yeah, it does. And obviously, he's went, I am only 25, I might never get this move again. Yeah. We, we love Celtic, mate. Celtic's the be on end all, but when Liverpool come, come calling, he's probably thought Van Dyke's injured, my team's injured, I might get a chance. Exactly. It's no worked out. So, but I'm spinning it round and going, wait a minute, right? He plays a Liverpool now, right? I don't know if you might get him on loan. If you can get a chance to get a guy who, who's still playing with their players at Liverpool to come in and maybe come for a season, ball to your squad to come to try and win the league back, mm-hmm. I would take it. I don't care if he's not wanting to come in the past. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. If Ange wants him and Ange likes him and he's going to come, then let him come. At the end of the day, it's only a loan deal, so you're kind of taking the lesser gamble with signing him as a free transfer because you need to give him a, a, you need to give him a sign-on fee. You need to give him wage, probably male wages. Because look, I'm, I guess a lot of people might even pay off the wages. I don't know the deal. But me personally, I would... Ben Davis is a guy that Ange wants, I'll happily take him because as you yeah. say, I might go. 
no, he might probably is going to go. Stephen Welsh for me is still touch and go, he's still development. I don't know if he's going to play every week, especially if we want to qualify for Europe. As Mr. Lowell says, we want to compete at the highest level. Yeah, is Stephen yeah. Welsh going to make you that level yet? Maybe no. So, whether a guy like Stephen Davis or the Swedish guy can win, I'd rather spend £12 million in three very decent centre backs because mm-hmm. we're going to get probably £15 million fire. Yeah. So, you might actually get the money for the players and no need to spend a penny. So, mm-hmm. if that is what we're going to do, which Listen, it's Celtic, we know we might not get the freedom, right? It's just all paper talk and whatever else. But for me, I would take Davis because he's played at a decent level. Pressing fans didn't want him to leave. He's playing at a decent level. I he's maybe not played a lot at all, but he's still playing with better players than he's maybe at Celtic. So for me, it's a no-brainer, in my opinion. That's just my opinion. Well, for the Ben Davis, I, I didn't know that until we were speaking about it before we came on. I, I didn't know that story had sort of been broke by, was it, was it Steve McGowan at the Daily Mail, was it? Was Steve is generally on the ball, to be fair. So um, the, the Ben Davis thing for me is, if, you, if, you, if we rewind back to January and say, Ben Davis, if I was Ben Davis' agent at the time, I'd be saying, look, we've got off of here for Celtic, we've got off of here for Liverpool. Um You've got, to, you've got to put yourself in the player's shoes here, right? And say to yourself, well, okay, I can go to Celtic. Um, if it becomes successful, if it becomes successful, I might get a move to mm-hmm. Southampton, Crystal Palace or Burnley. Yeah, I move to Liverpool and it's successful. But where is that going to take me? Oh, and, and I'm leaving Tottenham right, not even in a, in a money perspective right now, it's just a footballing sense. Playing Champions League football, winning Champions League at Liverpool, you could potentially be winning there and doing so I think he's thought himself, well, instead of going to Celtic and go to this club and go to that club and then maybe get into Liverpool or maybe jump three steps and go to Liverpool and take my chance. There was obviously a slim chance of him being a success there because of the players that they've already got at that club. But he's obviously looked at it and says, Van Dijk's injured, Matip's injured, Henderson picked up an injury, I've got a chance of playing here. Yeah. Now, it wasn't to be for whatever reason. If the guy's available and Ange wants him and he fits with the way he's wanting to play, I've got no qualms of bringing the guy in. Right, the guy made a decision. No, in life, people make decisions, and they're not always the right decision. But you can't just hold that against them for the rest of their life. Do you know what I mean? People go like, right, shit. I made, a, I made a, an ass of this. Uh, I'll move on and do something else or whatever. So I think we need to cut the guy a wee bit of slack. Mm-hmm. People are on his case out there, and I, and I get, and I completely understand because I'm a Celtic fan, and I can understand. You know, there's no other club better than Celtic in my in my eyes. But you've got to, you've got to look at this sort of objectively and say, you know. The guys made the decision based on the facts there. Do you know what I mean? Liverpool are in a better football position than Celtic are right now. That's just a fact. Um, so, if it does come great, that would be brilliant. The boy, Carl Starfield, the Swedish boy, ticks a lot of boxes for me. I know a little bit about him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's obviously a little bit older, a bit more experienced. Um, done really well for Ruben Kazan over in Russia, which is a very, very hard league out there. Physical league, aggressive league, the Russian Premier League. And it's fucking Baltic. <laughs> and uh, well, funnily enough, I think Kazan isn't. I think is Kazan's actually one of the warmer places in Russia. <laughs> but it's fucking Russia, isn't it? It's just fucking mental out there. So you've got to be a hard mentally guy, a hard mentally strong person to go out there and play. And he's been very successful out there. And Ruben Kazan aren't one of the biggest teams, they're a decent mm-hmm. side, but not one of the biggest teams in Russia. So he's done really well for me. He ticks a lot of boxes for me. Cameron Carter Vickers, I know quite a bit about him. Obviously, spent a lot of time at Tottenham over the years. Um, and I think he was on loan at Bournemouth last year. I think he played about 20 odd games last year. Uh, he played, and he, I think he done okay in the Championship. Mm-hmm. Obviously, again, he's a wee bit more on the younger side, early sort of 20s. 
Um, but I've no doubt that guy's got ability. That guy's got ability, and I think he'd be bright for Celtic. If he could be one that you'd look at and say, you know, let him come up here, spend two or three seasons, and then move him on and make a bit of money from it, I've got no, no doubt about that whatsoever. But we're being linked to the right people, Ryan. I think mm-hmm. now, I think you can see the recruitment side of things is, is working. I know it's took a lot of criticism over the last few years, and I think that's been down to just us not getting the man, the, the guys we want. You know, we've kind of fell down the, the pecking order and, and picked up players that we had to get because we had to sign somebody. Yeah. I think it's been a bit of that. But obviously, as you say, these players that were bringing in only bad players, they sort of regressed a wee bit last year as well. So, as I said, we're, we're being linked to the right people. I think right now, those three players, I think, are very good players and they would do well for Celtic. As I say, I think Starfield would be, be the guy that I would like first because he's got that experience about him. Um, he's a big, he's a physical player as well. So, I think that's someone that you'd there um, at the, the defence group. And obviously we're talking about models and whatever else. The guy, mm-hmm. I think he's 26, so yeah. it kind of fits a model of maybe selling on. He's a Swedish internationalist. If he plays yeah. with Celtic, you'll probably maybe play with Sweden more when he plays with Celtic because he's, again, Celtic moving Kazan. You're maybe more noticed to play with Celtic. You might be moving Kazan because you're over the side of the, over the, side of the world. And, yeah. 26, say it, but I think they're talking £4 million, which is, I would say, is a decent price for centre-back. Julian yeah. with £7 million, I would say you can maybe play with him. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you're saying two three years down the line, he might go for £15 million. That's maybe the way, that's the way I see us working. Mm-hmm. But if you're sending guys at 18, they need to maybe wait four years to maybe get to the sell-on clause or try mm-hmm. and get you a sell-on kind of type of player. So, for me, I've not, I don't know much about him. Um, you have better knowledge than me, but I just know that He's played it, as you said, in Russia. Mm-hmm. I've always said the thing I liked about Russia was in the Giddy went to Russia and he played for four or five years there. Ah, and, and the fact that he'd done well there, again, it proves how good he was. Mm-hmm. So, as you say, you've got to be mentally tough to play there because, let's be honest, he's probably maybe standing there himself. He might not have misses, he might be himself ah. isolated. So, it's he's obviously got a, a mental toughness to play there, as you say, because ah. we all know yeah. Russia's a, a hard place to go and play a football. Definitely, and I think that the Celtic recruitment team would have, would have put that on as one of the, the pluses for him to go out there. And he's like, listen, I'm pretty sure because he played with IFK Gothenburg, and um, I'm sure Celtic would get scouts out in Sweden, Norway, and all these places. But I think the fear factor is they snap the players directly from those countries, pick them and bring them over. There's always a fear that they might just shrivel yeah. themselves, you know, come over. And, and as well, Celtic kind of need people coming in and hitting the ground running, you know, we need performance, performance, performance straight away. You know, I remember we used to watch Celtic players on their debut and you'd expect them to have the game of their life. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> on their debuts and when we were younger, you'd go like ah. And if they didn't have a, if they didn't have a good game in his debut, you'd go, he's fucking shite. Do you know what I mean? That, that, that's the sort of mentality. But there's always a fear factor I think, when you try and bring Scandinavian players or players from Eastern Europe who are really young and they don't quite adapt quite as quickly. Mm-hmm. This guy's moved to Russia and he's developed very, very well. He's got that mental toughness and he's performing well. That's the key thing. So um, he, he ticks a lot of boxes for me. So I, I did see it was Fabrizio Romano put that story out, and generally Fabs ah, he's normally good. bang on. He's normally bang on these these uh, his sources. So um, that's why I sort of retweeted it quite quick. As soon as he's saying something, you, you know something's happening behind the scenes. So fingers crossed they can get that done um, as soon as me. Um, obviously, it's a wee from a JP again. He's asked, do you, do you think as well it's good that they're maybe going for the right type of players to fit the system that we maybe want to play? Aye, oh, absolutely. That, that, that's got to happen. That, that's whatever, whatever club you're at, whoever the manager is, you need the recruitment team and the manager working, you know, in sync. 
uh, and that's got to happen. And that's why models like the Red Bull model and Monaco are doing their own model now as well. They're bringing players in with a philosophy, bringing managers in that match that philosophy now. So Celtic need that identity and just try to build that identity here. And it's good to see that they are going for the right type of people now because that, that's just got to happen now. Um, and obviously, as we mentioned, the Champions League, again, no really too much to go now um, to wait yeah. the first game. And again, hopefully there's some fans in as well because that will be at home first game, right? I've been at home, right, OK. Which, okay. And I, I'm sure, I don't quote me on it, but I'm sure that is a way goal strap this year. Yes, so there's no way goal. So that's, for me, it's a benefit because you know what you like away from home. I'm not very good. <laughs> so... If it's two nothing away, at least you know you've got a chance to score two Aye. goals at home, yeah. and knowing that it's not going there's, to affect you. you know what I mean? So there's got to be a lot more extra time penalties uh, <laughs> in, in these cup cup competitions this year, which is probably year for one for a bit of excitement. So um, listen, but at home first, yeah, as you said, I, I did read that two thousand fans are getting in for one of the friendlies. See that um, again? I just don't know. There was fifteen thousand at Hamden or something. And how how can only be two thousand at Parkhead? Sixty thousand. Why, why is that? Is that it's crazy. I think there was there was rugby games at Murrayfield with fifteen thousand. So how can it all be two thousand at Parky for Aye, there was games I don't, at. I, don't know. I was quite, It's crazy. I thought there was a zero missing when they, when they put it out. I thought it was twenty thousand. They put it. No, it's two two thousand. Ah. I was pretty surprised. Obviously, look at Wembley. Look at Wembley the other night. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then for the final, it's only going to be ninety thousand. Ah, it's going to be a full house. I know so that. how can it all be a full crowd at Celtic Park? It's, nice. it, it doesn't. It doesn't matter about if there's a virus about, if there's a cold about, whatever it's about, it's the same thing. So, how how did they judge how I many? Is it is it is it because it's Celtic? I don't. I don't know. Is it or is it because it's what Rangers? They're playing Real Madrid. How many going to get in there? I think you could start a new podcast, mate, if you wanted to talk about <laughs> for that one. You could you could get away off on a tangent with the COVID thing, couldn't you? Um, I was quite surprised when I read that myself. Um, but look, it's better than having none. That's just the way I'm sort of looking at it. It's a, it's a step in the right direction. So hopefully, maybe there's 2,000 when we play, I think Preston is it, we're mm-hmm. playing. Um, hopefully they'll never give more info when we play Midgetland. Um, listen, I, I don't know what to expect from the Midgetland game, um, but what I will say is I'm, I'm positive from what Ange has been saying and obviously the Sheffield Wednesday game. Let's see how we do against Charlton, I think we're playing tomorrow. Um, yeah. Let's see how we do in that. Again, it's just try to build up, you know, build up some energy levels and fitness levels for the season ahead and obviously get his point across but um, I don't know what to make. listen for me anything the Champions League is a bonus this year I think I just think it's a bonus because um, it's such a hard route that we've got you know the three teams that could have been up against we've got the easiest draw but even Midland are a hard team <laughs> a hard team to play so listen we'll, we'll see how it goes I've just actually on Twitter Celtic she's posting her Twitter there um, Biles away to Ghent Ghent is that they just says a permanent deal. It just says good luck, permanent deal. K A A again. So Aye, right, that's okay. another one at the door, I suppose. Well, so that's a positive. I think. I think. I think. Bio wasn't going to play much, mm-hmm. um, and obviously, it's not worked out. The project hasn't worked. We've cut the losses. We'll get a bit of money for them. Let's reinvest it in the guys that we really want. Um, so hopefully, we can do that now going forward. And, that clears the decks. The other one, you mentioned the guy, Shevard. Is Shev still there? Or See, I don't... I seen a thing, an article yesterday or the other day that their team was on loan to. Is it Austin Tud or something? Um, they want to sign him, but I think he says right. he deals away half of Celtic. And 
I was like, I can mind that game you scored, and I was like, he looks a bit qualifier high. And I think he played for one of the very average teams in was it Ukraine, and I think he was yeah, our top goal scorer or something. Yeah, he done yeah. very well. So, and I do believe it is. I do believe what my what my old man says. There's talent everywhere. You just mm-hmm. need to obviously play them. And Aye. the guy, Kobe, the game with him, him as well. He's came to Celtic, you know. Doesn't know the language very well. Things all these things come to impact, and mm-hmm. I would like to give him a chance because we are very doing on wires. And as I say the other day, I don't think Michael Johnson's got to take us to the next level. He no. is a very talented player, but to play every week for Celtic consistently, I don't know. I don't think he will, my I just, I just like him to stay fit. I'd like him to stay and fit. That, and that's a big thing, though, isn't it? If you're not fit, you can't consistently play football. I'd love to see, like, I think Michael Johnson's got great ability, great talent, you know, about him. And so frustrating. And listen, I've no doubt it's so frustrating for him picking yeah. up injury after injury. But I'd like to see him have a full season. Mm-hmm. Just a full, I don't know, 25 games, 20 games, and see how he does, and then judge him. Because right now, you know, he plays two or three games, and, and, he's off again. Two or three, and then he's injured again. He's not really getting a, a good run, you know, he's not really getting a bit of consistency about him, so I, I mean, no doubt he'll find that frustrating as well, but listen, I'm sure he's going to be here, I hope he stays fit. Um, it'd be great to see him even get 15 games this year, 15 starts this year, we'd be proud to see and see if he develops from that, because I'm sure he, I actually believe there's a player with Mickey yeah. Johnson, but he just needs that run of games. Um, and obviously you mentioned Charlton a few international yeah. players are back now so guys like M- M- McGregor might get a sniff um, some minutes because I think I don't know if he might use the Morris game as a game maybe to maybe put his team for next week or the week before because again it's a very short turnaround I think as well as we play Mitchelland I think we're playing some deal three or four days later as well it's, uh, I think yeah. the games are starting to come quick and fast now so and I think McGregor did say, he says fitness for me is not really an issue. He says, no. I've only had two weeks off, three, three weeks, you don't really lose a lot of fitness in that type. Uh, no. And he'll be doing, he'll be doing uh, stuff as well. He'll not be, he'll be sat on the couch for two weeks. Do you know what I mean? These guys are given plans to go yeah. away. As I said, said before, sailor 65 day mm. a year job, this, uh, this uh, the football industry, sorry, football players. So um, he'll not switch off. Um, I think he'll, he'll find his feet after a couple of sessions. He'll be, he'll be back running again. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know how, how he'll, he'll play again tomorrow. I think he, it's probably more getting his point across again, getting the system in play. I think a lot of young boys will still play because I think they've done well for them so far, um, and I think they're providing anybody to try to do. Um, but it'd be good to see Lionel Turnbull coming back and McGregor coming back, Greg Taylor's coming back as well. So yeah, we'll, we'll watch with interest tomorrow. And even Tom will left backs, Ball and Golly, no chance for him. And a lot of fans yeah. criticise him because obviously. They went to be holding. That was his. That was his kind of. That was a backburner right away for him. Um, yeah. I do believe as well that I think going forward he's decent. Um, I think if that's the way Andrew wants to play, a flying fullback, then I think that he could be a most anybody answer. But I don't think he'd be a bad backup because in the day, I've spent nearly four or five million pounds in two left backs. So. I know. You've, got to, you've got to play one of them at least think you can't no yeah. sell two of them right away because that, again that'd be another, another failure in, the, in that side mm-hmm. of the that side of the, the club yeah I think with, with Ball and Golly I was very critical of Ball and Golly when he first came in um, and then I was trying to take a sort of step back and look at it sort of you know, objectively and say well, no, why, why is he doing those things you know why is he out of position why is he you know 20 yards up the park where he, from where he should be and gaps are getting left behind him and I don't know Maybe, maybe he just needs a, a bit of coaching. Maybe maybe where he played before, he used to just bomb up his players attacking, attacking wing-back. 
and that was his game. And maybe just he's a bit of help. I, I was listening to a, a, an interview with, with Micah Richards. There was a player we actually looked after, yeah. um, and he was saying that when he was coming through Manchester City, he was a midfielder. All right. He played centre mid, and then he dropped back to centre half. But when he got in the Manchester City first team, they played him at right back. And he said, I've never played right back before in my life. He said, that, he said I feel like I think I played right back once in an under 21 game, and he played well. And the manager went, Shoot Pierce, I think it was at the time, went, Get him in the first team. Because Micah had such a big presence, Aye. a big physicality about him, he was a big lad, strong boy, you know, powerful. He went, I'm going to play him at right back. So when he was playing right back and Roberto Mancini came in, Roberto Mancini said to him, why are you there? You, you shouldn't be standing there. You should be here. You should be in this position. Your, your body shape's wrong. This. And he went, what's wrong with you? Started, I've only started playing here about a year ago in the first team in the Premier League. Do you know what I mean? Some of these guys that are coming through, you take for granted that they know what they're doing. Um, but they need that bit of coaching about them. They need somebody to put their arm around them and say, and he said, Roberto Mancini was the best coach he ever had because he made him such a better player. And see when, mm-hmm. see when the penny dropped about him playing right back, he was unstoppable at one point. Aye, he was like, everybody was flying. It, so he was similar. Uh, it reminds me. He's similar to Kyle Walker. Isn't he, the way he's up and down. Aye, the line. Oh, absolutely. He was. He was. Bright. It's just the injuries just killed him. Um, and and they end up. And uh, listen, he's going on to have a great TV career now. Anyway, but that that was a really interesting listen. To, you know, sometimes you've got to take a step back and say, you know, why are these guys make these mistakes? Maybe maybe isn't he comfortable in that position? Mm-hmm. You, you said yourself, Ryan. Would, would you, if you were playing football, you wanted to play through the middle as a striker. And you moved out to the wing. Oh, it's, it's you almost feel I'm normally used to all this space around the room. Yeah. I, can turn, I can turn left, I can turn right now. I can only really go infield. Do you know what I mean? Say outside or infield. So it, it's hard for players. And that just that happens at the, the sort of professional level as well. So listen, Bolly's coming in, he's coming back, a fresh start for him, just like with every other player. Um, and you never know, we might see a player turn up for us there and, and do well for us next year. I says, uh, again, there's every day with Celtic, there's a lot to talk about. But um, again, one wee thing as well, um, I did mention the other day, I might have mentioned at the start, um, my friend's dad, she had a charity game, um, the 25th of July, um, it's St. Anthony's Junior Grand, um, show kick off 12 o'clock, it's for charity. Um, again, I know cancer is a big thing in people's lives, um, it's an annual annual game for, for, his, for his dad and, and obviously it's my mate's granddad, it's a very worthwhile cause and Again, I'll be playing in it, so you know, my boots um, kind of dusted, and I guess a very, very ch- uh, good cause. And I will put the links up um, on my Twitter and Facebook stuff. Anybody wants to donate any money they can, a penny, a pound, it's, it's all going to a good cause. And again, hopefully, can raise some money, and obviously, it hopefully helps a lot of people. Um, again, well, thanks for your time, mate. I really appreciate it. And again, hopefully, get a decent week kind of result tomorrow, get some yeah. fitness under the belt, and again, hopefully. Next week, we're unveiling some signings. We're all happy clappers again. Uh, absolutely, mate. Let's, let's hopefully that happens. And no, listen, a pleasure coming back as well, mate. Really enjoyed having the chat. And uh, yeah, we'll speak again soon, mate. Thanks a lot, Warren. Take care, mate. Cheers. No problem. All the best. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market